All right. So the historical significance there of Lily's Leaf Farm in particular. But this conversation is going to go much broader than just Lily's Leaf Farm. Uh, let me invite onto the platform Dr. Onati Sonwabile Henama, who's a tourism lecturer at the Tswane University of Technology. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Uh, Professor no. Sheena O'Connell is a lecturer in the School of Arts at the University of Pretoria. Professor O'Connell, good morning to you. Good morning, and thank you very much for having me on your show. Sure, and let me welcome then also Dr. Andre Hose, who is a researcher at the South African Cultural Observatory. Dr. Hose, good morning, and thanks for being available today. Good morning, Kathy, and yeah, welcome to all your listeners. Sure. Thank you all for coming onto the show. And we thought it would be a good time to actually look at the role of historic preservation and why that is important for any society, I suppose specifically for the context of South Africa, where we have so many heritage, cultural uh, and and you know, political sites of significance that are worth preserving so that the information is is not lost. But um, Professor Sheena, perhaps let me begin with you and, and give you a chance to share your own reflections on the role of preservation and why we preserve. Thank you so much. Um, I'm not sure if the word preservation is is all-encompassing or sufficient enough for the kind of conversations that we are having in South Africa right now. And I think the whole of South Africa, given our colonial, our slave and our imperial legacies, I think the whole of South Africa is one big heritage site. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it really struggled to to walk down any road or any dorpy um, without it having some connection or some significance that speaks to our violent past. So for me, the question of heritage and memorialization has to extend beyond it just being a, an account of the past. It has to hold the present to account. It has to ask those difficult questions of where we are now, where we now find ourselves, and to be kind of that mirror to a society that reminds us all of where we've come from and the, the costs that were paid by men and women, um, not only of those, let's say, who were at Lily's Leaf, but of, of all of those who paid the, the, the ultimate price um, for freedom in South Africa. So in, in that way, I think preservation needs to become a study and a concern of the now. It is not only an historical endeavor. It's mm-hmm. not only um, this is what happened in the past, because as we've come to understand what happened in the past, as it strips, strips our very day, um, if that gives you any indication of my, my point of view. Sure. How, would, how would that fundamentally change the approach, Professor O'Connor? I think it will change in that if we put museums and heritage sites at the core of us, of the South Africa that we want to be, that we understand where we've, where we've come from, we understand the, the figures who fought for freedom, but as well as all the unnamed figures, the unnamed men, women, and youth who fought for freedom. And we put it into questions of the now, so we understand that people who were um, racially oppressed are in a, a much weaker position. Questions of race will come. And so we have these sites then become part and parcel of our everyday fabric. 
So it's not only for tour, tour groups, it's not only for school children so they can tick off a box. Mm. It needs to um, be part and parcel of um, a, a kind of new envisaged heritage and museum landscape because as COVID has shown us, we can't rely on good traffic more. Um, I think sites such as, uh, or museums, need to reimagine themselves um, to hold civil society as well as the political um, elite to account. All right. Um, let me invite Dr. Host to then also weigh in on this conversation. We'll get to the tourism aspect in a moment uh, with Dr. Henama. But uh, Dr. Host, you know, y- you do something very interesting at the South African Cultural Observatory. And uh, perhaps for the benefit of myself, our guests and, and the rest of our listeners, give us a sense of the work that you're doing that is specifically focused on looking at arts, culture, heritage, and, and how that, you know, the impact of that on, on the socio-economy um, of the country. Sure, thanks very much. It's, uh, it's a real great privilege to be with you and discuss this important topic, albeit rather sad, especially regarding Lily's needs. But the South African Cultural Observatory is a uh, project for the Department of Sports, Arts, and Culture, and we, look, we try to quantify um, the cultural industry. Uh, and see how much it is contributing. So there's a number of definitions that we have, that we use, uh, everything from the cultural natural heritage right through to uh, design and creative services. And uh, right now, when we look at the um, creative, uh, uh, the whole of the cultural and creative industries, it's worth about uh, 42 billion rand. In 2019, it was 84 billion rand. So after agriculture, it's it's the second biggest uh, sector. A uh, second uh, it comes just after agriculture. Um, it is a small sector, but it's a very important sector. So besides the number of people that are employed and and, and the contributions making to the GDP, mm. uh, we're also working on. Uh, what we may want to call the, the virtuous circle. So when a, when a country or area has got a heritage, it builds up a culture. Uh, the culture includes fine art, dance, music, etc. But from those come creativity. And there's a, a big debate going on right now in education. We all heard of the STEM. It's science, technology, uh, engineering, and math. But the, uh, there's also uh, a move to move towards STEAM, which includes arts, so it's science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. And we found that the giants, such as uh, the social uh, media companies, Googles and those, are looking for creators now. So they're not just looking for uh, programmers and um, people that are engineers that can help with uh, producing new products, but the creators that can uh, conceptualize it. And that we need... Uh, artists, we need creativity, and mm-hmm. those all come from heritage. And then after that, you get innovation, new products, new services, doing things better. That leads to improved technology. Improved technology leads to productivity. Productivity leads to economic growth. And so we complete the virtuous circle. All right. So, so we're doing quite, we're doing a, a, a lot in uh, various of the domains and uh, looking at the broader sector, as well as um, the social cohesion, trying to measure uh, the 
the developing indices for social cohesion, which also has a, a link to nation building. All right. We'll continue the conversation in a moment. It's 11.30. Nomsam Gluli has your latest headlines. We continue the conversation, the importance of sites of memory, sites of preservation. And, you know, the conversation is much broader than that. And uh, we're joined by a couple of experts in this field. I'll also be taking uh, your calls if you want to weigh in on this particular conversation. The number to use is 011-714-2006. This morning on the WhatsApp line, it's 0614-104-107. That's where you can send some of your WhatsApp voice notes and messages and of course on Twitter at SFM Radio the hashtag there is hashtag SFM uh, talking point so uh, we've heard from Professor uh, Sheena O'Connell who is with the uh, arts at with the School of Arts rather at the University of Pretoria and the Southern and the South African Cultural Observatory Dr. Andre Hoes uh, Dr. Henama you are with the Tswane University of Technology let me give you a chance perhaps to uh, reflect on on this conversation and its importance in South Africa? Yes, uh, when we look at heritage, I mean, South Africa has got so many heritage sites because of our travel past. And we in the tourism industry will always want places of historical significance for them to be developed for tourism consumption. So that when they're developed for tourism young people, locals, internationals can come there and be able to be taught the South African story. And for the South Africans to probably curate so that somebody can see and what happened on that day. Mm-hmm. What lessons have been learned from that? And then how to be a better Dr. Henama, we have a bit of an issue with your line. I'm just going to ask the team to try and dial you back because we are losing you in terms of the answers or the reflections that you're sharing with us. So uh, we'll just reconnect to Dr. Henama and um, we'll bring him back on the line once we have redialed him. So, Professor O'Connell, you know, uh, many on reflecting upon the shutting down of Lily's Leaf are, are talking about how something like that cannot happen um, because of the historical significance of the place, what it means for uh, South Africa. And it's, it's perhaps not a great thing to compare memorial sites because it becomes important, it becomes difficult to say which one then is more important than the other. But we have seen sites of significance actually close down due to questions of, of sustainability. So what is not happening to, to make these sites a lot more sustainable in the long term? Okay, it's a really good question because, it, it, you know, South Africa is dotted with museums and heritage sites across across the country. Mm. Many of them are struggling with low visit numbers, um, disinterested visitors who do come there. And it, 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 it seems to be a constant battle for funding um, with a limited and diminishing pot. So I think from, from what I've seen and the, the work that I've done in museums, I think it needs, we need to reset or re- reimagine what a museum site should be, mm. what, what it can be, and that f- firstly upskill a lot of the, the, the staff um, so that they are, become more than just museum guys. They, be, they become adept at doing lots of other things. 
um, look at look at staffing, look at business models. Um, you know, so often those of us in the heritage or culture and, and creative fields don't think about the business models. And I think we need to we need to start taking that seriously because we can't be relying on money from government um, and or tourists because as we see now with COVID, if mm. tourists don't come places, literally shut doors. Um, we have to become a little bit more creative in the kinds of things that we can do within those spaces because it, mm. as, as you rightfully said, there are sites across the country um, that need funding. It, it, does it point to a, a, a disinterest among the South African population? So ultimately the preservation, the history is for for the people is about the people of South Africa rather not just for the people of South Africa but it's fundamentally about the the people of this country and one would think that because of that link then it would be South Africans that are driving the traffic uh, to to some of these sites in a perfect world absolutely <laughs> um, yes. I think that's the most important point that, mm. that, that, that we can make we I'm always horrified and saddened that when I lecture students, and these will be for you know, undergrads right through to postgrad, and I mentioned key dates in our history, which are not difficult dates. I know, you know, we're not talking perhaps about the arrest, let's say, at Nearly's Leaf, but perhaps something more iconic, June 16th, and I mentioned Hector Peterson. There's a blank look. They have no idea what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. If I talk about the Craddock Four, or I talk about the Weinberg Seven, there's even more of a bewilderment. And I think I remember being in a class where I showed two, picture, two pictures of boxes. One, um, and I said, oh, five for anybody who can recognize this. And the, obviously it was a picture of um, former President Nelson Mandela, but it, they identified him as uh, Muhammad Ali. Oh, no. So, yeah, so we need, you know, so mm. unless we know where we've come from, unless we know and learn from the lessons. And I think particularly at this juncture right now, mm. where politically I think we're sitting in very interesting times. It's also time, it's, we're sitting at a time that we need to ask really difficult questions of those in power, not as an indictment necessarily, but how do we learn? How do we move forward? Because we can't afford the, the questions of the past. Mm. And this is where all these institutions can be incredibly powerful if they start asking those difficult but necessary questions. Mm. Dr. Hose, you know, as you study then some of um, the, the cultural industry, its value and its worth, right? Are you basing this on how much money it generates or on the assets that it has and, and how much those are worth? Um, we try and quantify the assets. It's, that is always difficult, though. So what we look at is uh, the uh, value chain, the creative industry value chain. Mm. So you start off from the idea, the creation, and obviously that all links to the heritage, then production, distribution, retail, and consumption. So we look at uh, the, the, the whole value chain and, and estimate uh, the value of that. The important thing of the museums, though, is the, is the multiplier effect it has. So uh, the museum, without the museum, you, you won't have the shop or the uh, um, seminar rooms or the conference rooms that go with it. Um, and therefore, you won't get those multiplier effects. And those, indeed, have also uh, multiplier effects 
uh, to other industries, so to the uh, catering and the hospitality industry. So uh, we do um, we do find that there is uh, uh, not just the asset, not just the uh, physical uh, place, mm. but all the other issues that go along with it. Um, yeah, and then uh, obviously uh, listeners can get some more information at the South African Cultural Observatory dot org dot za website. Mm. But there's stuff that we've done on clusters, for example. How can museums work together to get more visitors? And I think that's where other countries and other areas have uh, been very successful. So it won't just be a site that you go visit, but you have a collection of sites. Do- and, uh, yeah, yeah. Dr. Henama, what is the what is the differentiating factor? Um, because I just just top of my head, I think of a place like um, the Cradle of Humankind, where it becomes so busy. There, there, there almost seems to never be a shortage of people that are going there. At least the few times that that I've been there. And yet you have other places that, that struggle to draw that traffic. So are there distinctive features that cultural and heritage sites have that determine whether or not people will actually go there? Uh, thank you, Kathy. Um, if you look at the Stephenton case, without the Marupeng Interpretation Center, they would never have so many t- t- visitors to their site. Mm. That is because the huge financial investment that government did, obviously working with partners such as the University of Viz, they've been able to take that experience, obviously integrate technology, and make it a fun-filled experience where, where you can basically go there and spend the entire day there. So, we, so, so, another, so another, I'm speaking about precinct development because they had to develop Marupeng to support the Stelfontein story. If you go to you might not get the whole story. When you go to Marupeng, the story is unpacked. And so I believe, first and foremost, high levels of investment, number one. And number two, marketing. When Homona Lady was discovered, it became the biggest news unveiled, I think, by the former president. So it was a major talking point. So I believe one of the great things that Marupeng has did of humankind is being very marketing savvy. And today, Casey, let's always be honest, we don't buy things because we seek to buy, but we buy things because a company has taken the initiative to inform us about a sale, about if you use this, this mm-hmm. what will happen to you. We in the tourism, cultural, hospitality, and heritage space obviously need to communicate better so that we're able to attract new types of customers. So a lot of our heritage sites have not integrated technology. Then, and also interpretation centers, I mean, if you look at the site in, in Sharpville, it's just a hollow hall. You go to where the ANC was formed in, in Vibuk and Bloemfontein, it's disappointing, you even cry. You go to the house of Mama Winnie Mandela, and now called Winnie Mandela, which is the formerly Bradford, it is just a, a, a hall, nothing in there. It is, it is of no significance. Mm. So it is important that we include multi-dimensional professionals in developing a site. But you can't develop a site without a precinct. I must be able to have a cold drink. There must be a children's play area there so that if I've got young children, they can be able to play. So in other words, it's not just the attraction. What else do we add to ensure that instead of me spending five minutes, I can be able to spend two hours and spend mm. more money there? Mm.
It, it's it's such an interesting point that that you're raising, um, and I wonder, Professor O'Connell, does that then mean that the location of these sites sometimes determines the kind of traffic that they will have? Yes, I, I don't think that that is. Um, it's it obviously see if one just looks at how South Africans we live in South Africa. We live off in boomed communities and closed off gates. We really don't venture across to places that are out of our comfort zones mm. and we stay within beautifully, you know, golf estates and gated communities. Um, so by having, I don't think, but I don't think it's a case of moving sites to where it is con- convenient um, and palatable. I think we need to inculcate a different kind of approach and a different kind of South African citizen, somebody who really is invested in being here and, wanting to make the most of this country, to take a hard, block, hard, long look in the mirror and step out of their gate and come across to sites where together we will learn about mm-hmm. what it means to be a truly free and democratic South Africa. Do, do you think that it's it's an easier sell? You know, Dr. Hinama was, uh, was talking about uh, Homo Naledi. It's easier to sell something like Homo Naledi because it's a, it's a new discovery, something fresh, and uh, th- that's really the experience that you have. Whereas if we're talking perhaps about the Apartheid Museum or we're talking about Lily's Leaf Farm, um, that is more of uh, the experience that you're going to get when you visit those sites is not quite the same because those sites were developed quite a number of years ago. And I think, um, you know, they, they, they require just walking and listening more than uh, not all of your senses necessarily are going to be stimulated in the way that you will see at the cradle of humankind. Yes. Um, well, it's, 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 I think it's... In two parts, you know, the, the distant past, when we're talking about things that happened millions and hundreds of thousands of years ago, well, mm. millions of years ago, it becomes easier to deal with. It, 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 is, it is tied up in fantasy and all kinds of other things that makes it palatable and enjoyable, akin to, to a trip in many ways to a, a, a Disney, Disney world, Disneyland, yeah. Yeah, or, <laughs> or a fan park. Yeah. But if one goes to Constitution Hill, for example, you can't, which overlooks the city of Johannesburg, mm. You can't stand there and not be unaffected by it. Yeah. And then you can't stand there and come, up, come out and see people who are impoverished and ask yourself and, and, and come out there saying, well, I had nothing to do with this. Or, you know, it, it, it is so recent. It is so raw. Mm. And it, it, it has to be difficult to look at because our past was difficult. It's, we can't sugarcoat it. Mm. So... You know, I, for me, constitutionally is one of those yeah. those places that becomes absolutely essential to anybody living in Khateng. You want to understand why, why we're at where we're at? Go and stand there and overlook the city and then not in ways that too many of us are able to do. It's, it's an emotional experience. It's an emotional experience, especially if, if you take the time to even go through the, the women's prison. There, there's no yeah. way that you don't come out of there unaffected and, and questioning a lot, not just about where we are, but where we have come from. Yeah, and what can we do to yeah. ensure that we do not return there? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah. you know... It, Yes, yeah, so thank you. <laughs> no, all right. D- Dr. Host, let me bring you in to, 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 to weigh in then on, on where creativity becomes part of, of the conversation. 
in these institutions and in the ways in which these institutions then try and make sure that their story to South Africans still it still matters it's still applicable and it it sounds bad having to say you know make constitutional hill relevant but how do we do that okay um and again some of our research has shown uh, of the digitization of the museum's archives and making those available online so you'll find that people before they go on a visit somewhere may start googling and uh, looking up stuff and the museums that have done it successfully so this is part of the creativity how are they doing it creatively using audiovisual and interactive media one of the creative uh, uh, domains uh, and uh, happily i see that ladies is uh, continuing with the digitization of the museum's archives, and, and these are going to remain open, even though the physical site closes. But I think that is something that all museums need to look at and then uh, to create some um, enticement for people to go there. Mm. And they know what to go look for and, and find it. Mm. So the, the distance and, and those issues are a problem. Uh, coming out and seeing poverty is a problem. But how can we use those communities as well to produce art, to produce uh, creative products that can then find a, uh, a place to be sold from the physical uh, museum site? So there's a, there's a lot of issues that we can look at, but one of our findings on museums was definitely that digitization helps draw uh, additional revenue. Mm. What is the opportunity cost of not... Uh, looking into innovation and not looking at different ways of being sustainable? I think it's critically important. I think that the sustainability of any site, um, government has definitely got a role. I think our colleagues have spoken about that in, in helping uh, museums stay afloat. And once you've lost the asset, it's, it's gone forever. It's very difficult to, to, to dig it up and uh, bring it back to life. Mm. So uh, we need to work uh, carefully now. So I think all museums uh, need to start looking at what are the things that they can uh, put into the, uh, digitize, get online. Where can they get additional material from? Um, so the Nelson Mandela Foundation have got uh, a lot of information that they've already put online with uh, Google. Now, how can we leverage that? to get uh, more people to come to see not only the Lily's Leaf, but the capture mm. sites and all the other, the, 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 the Robben Island and other areas as well, mm. and uh, promote tourism. But also, as I said, to start looking, and not, um, when I talk about crafts, I'm not only talking about uh, baskets and uh, sort of low value added, but we, we need to start adding value to our uh, creative products. So instead of just selling a basket, shouldn't we be selling a uh, authentic Zulu basket or authentic Hosa um, basket that that that's got some meaning, some significance to it, that's got some history? And instead of selling it for uh, fifty or a hundred rand, start selling it for um, seven hundred or a thousand dollars, and then starting to create wealth using our our assets. Uh, I think we. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you can continue. 
No, I think uh, we, we, we still have um, uh, enough of a, uh, let's call it a, a democracy dividend that still lingers. And I think people still do want to come to South Africa and obviously post-corona. And I think we need to still uh, try and capture that value uh, where we can. And uh, and then again, I think you know, uh, the, the um, uh, museums need to work together and start supplying packages and referring each other on their websites and from mm-hmm. their sites to each other. Because that's, uh, to create that interest, to create that uh, spontaneity. And then also um, looking at targeting people that are interested in cultural history. Uh, what is it that, they, that the foreign visitor wants to come see here? Mm. Um, and, and then uh, packaging it in such a way that it can uh, be useful. Dr. Hinama, a lot of this points to a relationship that needs to develop between these sites and the communities um, where they are stationed. Because it it sounds to me that even the surrounding communities will have a big role to play in the sustainability of of, of some of these sites. Yes, um, it's important that the host community does get either 90% off or even free days to entry there. Besides employment opportunities, if the host community understands, why would somebody come from America and is around Marubin? Why would somebody come from Canada and wants to come and visit the Shandil Massacre site? So that is important because the, the host community becomes not only the custodian, but they become the people when I'm lost, I'm guided. Then they will understand that I must protect this heritage. If we don't protect this heritage, then the tourists will not come. Then my sister sister works there. Then the person next door who is selling crafts out there will not be able to earn an income. Mm. And also those other multipliers within the community. So I believe the community is important. But the inner discussion is to speak about the location of the exercise. The vast majority of exercises are always in the cities of towns. The crime decline self that dominates the vast majority of our cities is one of the unfreedoms that makes it impossible for people to go to the inner city and consume heritage, which is something that must be very, very clear in the discussion. All right. Let me thank you all for coming on to the show today and being part of this conversation. Quickly, how time flies. We're, we're nearing the end of our show, so we're going to have to leave it there, unfortunately. And it feels like we were just getting started. Uh, Dr. Unati Sonabile Henam is a tourism lecturer at the Tswani University of Technology. Professor Sheena O'Connell, uh, she's a lecturer at the School of the Arts at the University of Pretoria. And Dr. Andre Hose is a researcher with the South African Cultural Observatory.